Good morning, Christ of the North. How are we doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, you know. Chiefs are in full swing. Football's in full swing. Um, went to a high school football game, a homecoming, and so forth, and just brought back a ton of memories when I was in high school. And um, It's just a great time of the year. The, the weather's kind of changing. It's been beautiful outside. Um, it, it's hard to find any fault and complaints right now. Um, but as I say that, it's very easy for us to find faults in others. I mean, think about it. This time, about 9.30 last Sunday, what was your thoughts going through their mind when the running back fumbled the ball to lose the game, right? How fast did some of you pull up your phone and send out text messages, make phone calls? I can't believe he did that. Hold on to the ball. That's elementary. How many of us um, send out and make statuses when a celebrity gets caught in adultery or has some kind of mistake? I know I found this, uh, you know, done this recently, but I've seen a classmate uh, get in trouble or go through a divorce on social media or have to go to jail for a mistake they made and immediately want to find and dig more about what mistake they made. We live in a time where we have so much access to other people's lives. Amen. Some of you share way too much, <laughs> right? And so we get a lot of access to your life. What, and, you know, all the mistakes your kids make and everything else is like, chill out. But it gives us insight, and for some of us, we get to judge you for the mistakes that you make. And this is one of the faults we have in the Christian church today. Not too many people want to come because they have to figure out they have to be perfect in order to fit in. And the reason why is because it's so, often, it's, it's so easy to judge others for their mistakes instead of look inwards. Amen. We tend to make excuses. Well, if only she lost a little bit of weight... I won't have to look outside of my marriage to fulfill my desires. It was only a few drinks, and I can handle mine. I can drive home. This company makes so much in revenue, they won't miss a few bucks. And it leads us down a dangerous pathway. Little by little, we can begin to slip into that sin. Until it blows up on our face and we have to deal with that reality. Today we're going to look at a time where Jesus was confronted with someone's very public sin and how he dealt with it and what we can learn from that. Uh, today we're going to be starting out John chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And it says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? 
They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any, of you, any one of you who was out without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So let's break this down. Jesus is teaching as is normal as his custom, and people are gathering him. And the Pharisees were thinking, okay, this is the perfect time to confront Jesus. You know, he has all these liberal teachings and radical teachings. Okay, we're going to trap him on this. And they bring in a woman called an adultery. I don't know where the man's at. That's not part, part of the point here. But uh, they, they bring him and confront him and say, hey, this woman is caught in adultery. And by law, Moses requires us to, to stone this woman. And they had every justification for doing it. Leviticus 20.10 says, If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. They were justified. They had the moral backing of the law at that time, the religious law. They've been practicing that for hundreds of years. This is not something new. This is not something shocking. right? This is something that for most part, everyone agreed upon. They had the moral high ground in their eyes. How many of us feel like we had the moral high ground because I come to church every Sunday? I was baptized at a young age, and I've been living, quote-unquote, right. I'm in shape. So I can judge someone who isn't. We have all these moral high grounds that we can stand on. But instead of falling to this trap, Jesus twists on them and makes them look in the mirror. One by one, they begin to walk away. Why? Because they've probably done things required by law to be put to death. How do you come back if you give someone the death penalty for the mistake they made? Man, I used to be so for the death penalty back in my day. Back when I was younger and less naive. Or more naive, I should say. Um, but Jesus understood that. You can't come back if someone is dead for the mistake they made from the sin they are entangled in. And so he turns it on them until Jesus is the only one left. 
who, by his statement, could have thrown that stone? It says, he without sin throw the first stone. Well, Jesus could have done it. There's only one qualified person. He was the only one standing in the circle. But he didn't pick up a stone. Because Jesus understood that the law has its limits. The law Moses gave has its limits, but Jesus came to fulfill the law and to excel it. And so when we point out other people's failures, failures, we avoid dealing with our own. Jesus says here, I, I came to not condemn this world or that woman, but to save it. It's important for us to humbly ask him to change our hearts and remove our desires to continue down the destructive path of sin. Romans 8, verse 1, goes a little bit deeper into this. Paul writes, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. The great thing about this is Jesus offers freedom for all. But most importantly, you. I'm a person that is very difficult on myself when I make a mistake. I'm kind of a perfectionist in certain, in certain stint, you know, situations. I am very difficult on myself. I didn't need a coach to yell at me for making a turnover. I understood. I just jacked up. I messed up. I'm already beating myself up. But some of you need to stop beating yourselves up for your past mistakes. You have, sell, you have served your self-imposed prison, in prison for, for too long. It is time to understand that Jesus came to offer me freedom, freedom from my past mistakes. Remove it from your identity. Give yourself a new name. Remove it completely. Okay, you got a divorce. Okay? Life moves on. You learn from it. You grow. With the help of Jesus. You, maybe next time around you don't make the same mistake. You got an abortion. Okay? There's worse things that have happened. We understand it. Situation, circumstances you were in. Now, we don't condemn it. If I can understand it. Amen. Instead of pushing you out the church, how about I embrace you? Right. Right. Isn't that what we're called to do? Amen. It drives me nuts when church members flee a church for making a mistake. Oh, I got pregnant outside of marriage. I can't go to that church no more. I'm afraid what someone may say or how they might judge me. What I love is Jesus ends the statement to the woman and says, flee from your life of sin. Sin leads to death. However, freedom from sin leads to life. I guarantee you that woman that was caught in adultery 
it didn't just start at that one act. She started justifying some behaviors. Maybe her husband wasn't giving her the attention she desires. And she just wanted to feel good again. Maybe she got a few Instagram likes from the, some salacious photos she posted, and it felt good to her. I want to feel young again. I want to feel desired again when I was in my 20s. And a man starts giving her attention, and it feels good. Another man kips in, whistles at her as she walks down the street, and it feels good. And eventually, it leads to the act. Little by little, sin started to creep in. But that pathway she started on started way back when. Somewhere in her mindset, her frame of mind put her in that position to commit this act. And Jesus says, flee from it. Take captive of those thoughts as we're taught in the Bible. If you come to a Bible study, Jesus, Pastor Fields is constantly on us about capturing and taking captive of our thoughts and our desires. But let me tell you, once you do, you start getting on that correct path. And Christ up north, the church is going to help you with that if you need some help. You start getting victories. I guarantee you Clyde Edwards Hilaire can't wait to get on the football field this morning. Amen. Oh, he is dying to make up for that mistake from last game. Oh, he probably didn't sleep at all last night. But there is victory when we overcome and resisting sin. Some of our favorite stories and celebrities are some of those who made some mistakes early on, corrected their lifestyle, and overcame it. I mean, most of us would have condemned Robert Downey Jr. before he became Iron Man. And now we celebrate him for Iron Man and Sherlock Holmes. He, he overcame some things. And we celebrate that. He overcame some hurdles, came some, overcame some obstacles. But we could have condemned him and never gave him a second shot. Or, in his case, third or fourth shot. And I had been thinking about this all week. Because my former alma mater, high school alma mater, Park Hill South High School, was in the news quite a bit this week. And I didn't say anything, mainly because I had already studied for this sermon. But I sat and watched as former classmates and those around me posted and wanting to condemn 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. Knowing that I knew them at 14, 15, 16-year-old, as, as they were 14, 15, 16-year-olds. Some of them proudly proclaim as Christians. And after studying this, I just want to shout, that's not Christianity! Stop condemning these people! Yes, what started as a bullying incident, probably on the football field, that escalated into a joke, and that joke escalated into a petition, and all these kids, the popular kids, started getting onto it, so other kids followed suit. 
It, it blew overboard. Some of these situations, circumstances, was there when I was there 15 years ago. It's not new. It does sting. It's like, man, we haven't come a little bit further. But I would love to sit down and not condemn these kids. I, I don't know what these kids are probably going through. They are probably getting tortured. It's been probably a topic all week in the lunchrooms and, and everything else. The parents are getting exposed. All these different things are going on. The parents are probably ashamed to show their face because what their kids did. Um, and I would love to sit there and sit down with this, some of these kids, these young men, and say, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his, only one, his one and only Son, that whoever believe in him, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We love that. But verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He loves those young men and those young women who made a stupid mistake enough to die for. But he's not condemning them. I hate when Christians get onto cable news and stuff and start condemning everybody for their mistakes. It puts us in such a bad light. No wonder people don't want to come to church. Because if I make a mistake, I'm going to be blasted in front of everybody. Because as a pastor, my sin is, pu is not public. I keep it private. I use a private browser to hide my sin. <laughs> the religious leaders and Pharisees place their hope and trust in the law, which can never set them free. That law just led to death. You make one mistake, you play the worst dodgeball game of your life. Little did we know that Jesus came and took on all the sins when he died in our place. He's our only source of true freedom. Sin and failure don't have to become or remain patterns in our lives. We don't have to, stray, we don't have to stay on the path that keeps keeps us returning to sin. Jesus provides a way of an escape. To grow in faith and live a Jesus-centered life, it's important to think about and do the things that honor Jesus. We have to draw near to him and capture some of those thoughts and desires that we have. How many of us have ragged on that celebrity of posting a salacious photo, but then double tapped it and liked it? <laughs> I mean, it's hard for, as a man, to go to the Instagram Discover page. So I just avoid it. Because I know what path that can lead me down. I can't let those thoughts and stuff creep in and one too many images later, now I'm on another site. We have to understand that there's a difference between sin and patterns that lead us to sin. 
I just want to feel good. It's been a long week. My boss has been on me. I just want to feel good. I just want to feel something. Let me go to happy hour. I like this attention these posts give me. Let me get a little more and more salacious. I want to be an Instagram influencer. Identifying the patterns early on can help you correct the path. You have to take captive of those thoughts. Young men, everyone else is doing it. It's okay. I just need to live a little bit. Trust me, at the end of the bottle, you don't want to live that out too much. But Jesus says to the woman, identify those patterns, sin no more, and walk with me. Thankfully, he's there with us. Romans 8 goes further into this train of thought and says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... They do not belong to Christ. A life governed by flesh is hostile to God. Period. Now, we may be missing some members who are joining themselves at the Chiefs game, and that's perfectly fine. Hope they behave themselves well, and they understand that, hey, we'll catch this sermon on YouTube. Right? It'll be up there. We'll, be, we'll post it. <laughs> and they can still get their... Flesh desired. No, their flesh. <laughs> Hopefully their flesh is not too desired to miss out what the Spirit wants them to get. <laughs> Christ calls you to live your life in accordance with the Spirit and what the Spirit desires. I tell you what, I miss a Tuesday Bible study, and I feel like it might, it feels like Sunday is so far away. I have to constantly feel in that spirit so that I can live in the spirit. Some of you need to put, turn off the Drake album on your way to work. Turn on the gospel station. You might need it. It might help you out a little bit better, right? Turn off uh, Cardi B and all those other artists because you probably don't need to cuss out your coworker who mistyped an email. Okay, that's probably not the best mind of frame of mind. But when you start living and setting your mind, even early on, it puts you on a different path. I am a lot more patient when I do a morning devotional Amen. than when I don't. When I skip out on it or I hit the snooze button too many times, now i got to rush. 
and it messes up my whole morning because now I'm weaving in and out of traffic and cussing people out because they in the slow, they, they're in the fast lane but driving slow. Well, I realize I, I just living out of my flesh and not in the spirit. The spirit would have told me, well, I told you to wake up 30 minutes ago. But the verse here that says, the mind, govern, uh, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Amen. Who doesn't want that? Right. Some of you tell me stories, I'm like, good God, your life is chaotic. I love my peace. I will fight for my peace. You start bringing chaos and confusion to my life, I'm a black and white kind of guy. I don't live in gray areas. You're out. You just, Chuck, you just, you know, that phone call is going to the voicemail. But I also want others to have that life and peace. How are they going to do it on their own? How can the Christian body be so judgmental and giving people condemnation all left and right and making sure that they try to figure it out on their own when in reality we should be bringing them in and saying, hey, I got a solution for you. This worked for me. This continues to work for me. Let me bring you to a place that you can learn more and help change some of those patterns. Jesus wanted this woman to turn her life around and bear fruit to show that she had repented. How did she show that? By not sinning anymore, but because her life turnaround was so, and her mistake was so public, she can now be the face of someone that says, you know what, I've been there. I can help other people through it. Amen. Amen. Jesus turn, can turn that woman from the death penalty to a spokesman. Mm-hmm. He's done it for some of you. One of our strongest ministries in here is the recovery group. Not run by me. I'm not a recovering addict. But it's run by uh, those that are still in recovery. Spokesperson. Death penalty, spokesperson. That's the great thing about Jesus. He can turn your big mistake into one of your greatest accomplishments. Once you learn how to deal with it and become that light and bear fruit, not only in your own personal life, but in the life of others. Some of the greatest counselors, marriage counselors, are those who fail a lot of marriages. Forgiveness is just the beginning. It's important to us that we reflect on that forgiveness and how we live. You gain forgiveness for your sin and your mistakes. Why don't you give it to others? Amen. Amen. 
stop yelling at the waitress who is overbooked and understaffed because she didn't fill out, she didn't refill your Coke quickly enough. <laughs> you see, she got 12 other tables she's dealing with. Right? Well, you want to condemn her and tell her she's a bad worker and bad employee and all these different other things. Oh, it's hard to find good work nowadays. Or maybe her boss didn't do a good enough job of filling the schedule out. A life that honors Jesus shows that we're no longer slaves to sin, which leads to death, but bears fruit that leads in others. You giving that waitress, say, hey, I understand. You'll be okay could give life in her, make her day. She's already stressed out. She probably feels bad about her not coming to your table fast enough. Right? The food's been in, in, in the heat lamps, the warmers for too long, and she understands it. She picked up the plate and noticed it was super hot. She's like, oh gosh, I need to get this out. But give some people some grace. We can't condemn 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. Hopefully we can walk alongside them and say, hey, you made a mistake. We can address the mistake. Don't say, don't just ignore all mistakes. That's not what I'm saying here. We can address mistakes and sin in people's lives. But we're called to be like Jesus and say, I don't condemn you. I want to help you turn things around. Maybe some of you, it was a battle to get here this morning because you're living a life of sin right now. Maybe it's been private. And it's not public like this woman. But you notice the patterns in your life. You can see the road that this can take. Jesus is offering an opportunity for freedom from that. So we're not going to sit here and open the doors of the church and say, hey, I want to join Christ Temple North or give my life today. But we're going to leave this altar empty. And it's between you and Jesus. Just like the woman was left with Jesus by herself. It's between you and Jesus. This altar is going to be open. We're going to give space for people. If you need to come to the altar and leave some things, leave it here. But when you walk out those doors, know that you're free from it. And if you need help, whatever you're dealing with, maybe you know, you understand that I can't do this on my own. Brother Isaac, myself, some of the other men and women leaders will be around. If you need to talk to us after church, we will get you connected or the resources you need to know that you are not alone in this battle. This is what we are here for. Not to condemn you, but to bring you back in and show you the love of Jesus as he has shown each and every single one of us. Brother Isaac, would you uh, come up here and and close us out in in a word of prayer as... uh, we exit today and go enjoy Chiefs football, but I want to make sure we give enough time. Don't leave here without leaving something, if you need to, that's been bothering you and hindering you. Make sure you're free from it, as the woman was free from her sin. Thank you.
Trevor. All right, let us stand in prayer, please. Let us stand in agreement. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the word that was spoken this morning, Lord. Lord, and my prayer is, is as Brother Trevor has emptied out his cup to fill our cups, Lord, that you refill his cup, Lord. Lord, he is, he, is, he is a blessed young man, and he is an anointed young man, and he has spoken your word, Lord. And so I pray that you bless him, Lord. Bless him in a special way, Lord, uh, for, for, for standing in the gap as our pastor had some other place to be. Standing in the gap and bringing the word, bringing the truth, Lord, to each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, my prayer for each and every person in the sound of my voice, Lord, those here in this room and those that are listening at home, Lord, that we not be cowards that we not be cowardly Christians, Lord, that we know and understand that we have fallen short and that we continue to fall short, but not to get trapped into that, not to get stagnant into that, Lord, but and not to focus on that, Lord, not to focus on our problems, Lord, but to focus on the praise in knowing that you provide a way out for us, Lord. You have provided a way out for us, and you have set us in positions that we can help others to see their way out of their situations and their circumstances, Lord. It's my prayer, Lord, that, that as we leave this place and go out into the world, Lord, that we remember, Lord, not only who we are, but who we represent, Lord. That is what our, our brother spoke about today, Lord. If we are Christians, Lord, we're not just Christians on Sunday morning uh, between 11, uh, between 10 and 11. We are Christians, Lord, 24 hours a day and seven uh, days a week, Lord. And that is to be shown in how we speak, how we treat others, how we listen, how we respond. It is to be shown in how we are as mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, employees, employers, friends. In each and every area of our lives, Lord, we need to act and, and in a way that is reflective of you, Lord. And if there's anyone, Lord, in the sound of my voice, Lord, who is, who is bound up, Lord, or who is stuck, Lord, in their past, stuck in their troubles and stuck in their situations, and they don't feel that there is a way out, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you lead them to one of us leaders of the church, Lord, and that they know that they can speak to someone who, who will love on them and who will care for them and who will explain for them a, a way out, Lord, and that we as a church family, Lord, can encircle that person, Lord, and not circle them up as as Brother Trevor talked about earlier, in, in order to throw stones, Lord, but to circle them up, Lord, with your love, to circle them up with your grace that you've shown us, Lord, to circle them up, Lord, with the hope, Lord, that it doesn't stop with our problems, Lord. We all have stepped out of something, Lord. We all look better than what we've been through, and that's only because of you in our lives, Lord, and we thank you for that this morning, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. This is my prayer, Lord, and as we leave this place, Lord, sticks with us, live within us, Lord, flow from inside of us to the outside, and let the whole world see us, Lord, as shining examples of ambassadors for you and for your kingdom. It's in your name and for your sake, I pray, and everyone that agreed with me said amen. 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 Bless you. Have a good week.